Uh, we are continuing our series in Galatians, and I'm so excited. Uh, unfortunately, Cord uh, was sick, and so uh, they called me up this morning and said, hey, you're on. And so I'm excited to be with you and be sharing God's word with you. In Galatians, here in uh, chapter 4, in the verse 3, or excuse me, in the chapter 3 and chapter 4, presents a really simple truth that I want you to grasp t- tonight. And that is that we can become children of God. We can become children of God. Now, I don't know if uh, you ever did this or not, but uh, when I was a child, sometimes I would envision or dream of being a part of another family. Any of you do that? You know, I'd watch a family on TV and I would just think to myself, I wonder what it would be like to be a part of that family. Or I'd see a family at school or such and I'd think, I wonder what it'd be like to be a part of that family. And so I oftentimes did this as a child, but then uh, as I got older, I received a calendar one particular Christmas and the calendar was awkward family photos and made me rethink this reality and this, this idea of wanting to be a part of another family. So I wanted to share some of these awkward family photos uh, that we, not only is there a calendar, but we now found out there's a whole entire website. You can spend hours Looking at awkward family photos. And so I wanted to share some of these awkward family photos here. Shane, help me pick these out. This is the first one. Lovely family. It's also up on the big screen there that you can look at it. Just a beautiful family until you get to the little one, right? It's just so hard. Just one person's going to screw it up, right? It's always the little one. I can so relate to this family right here. Here's the next one here. And a beautiful family. (laughs) Having a wonderful moment. And then the dogs are just about ready to kill each other. I just love it here. This is great. All right, next one here. All right. I love the matching shirts, right? Awkward hair. Some of you could relate to this one. All right. Here's the next one here. All right. Now, this is like one of my favorites. The silhouette of dad with the other kids photoshopped in it. I got to get one of these. We'd have to make my kids like super small because I got seven kids. But I'm telling you, it's uh, all right. And uh, here's, here's a picture. This is my actual family here. Can you pick me out? Right there in the corner, right? I don't know what this guy, my little brother, he's like, I don't know what he's doing there. My mom with her big hair, my dad with the little mustache there, got it going on. All right, here's another more updated family photo. There we go. Can you pick me out again? Awkward family photos. You don't realize how awkward your family is until you get older, right? And then there's certain things that you did as a family and you look back and think, man, that was just weird. Like, why did we do that? Or why did we have that tradition? Or, or that was just kind of just ballpark, just in a whole nother category of strange. And some of you, I, I don't know about you. How many of you have like a little bit of, just a little bit of dysfunction in your family growing up? Just can I see it? Raise the hands. I call it a little bit of crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Just a little bit of crazy in your family. I think Many of us have a little bit of crazy in your family. If you didn't raise your hand, guess what? You're the crazy one. Just saying, okay? Every family has one, all right? If you didn't raise your hand, you may be the one. And uh, so oftentimes, uh, growing up, we would envision being a part of another family. Or maybe we envisioned, like, I don't want nothing to do with my family. Here's the truth. Here's what I want to communicate with you tonight. We have opportunity to become part of God's family. And Galatians at the end of chapter three and end of chapter four explains it really simple 
of how to become a part of God's family. And here, here it is in Galatians 3.26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through what? Through faith. Through faith. It goes on here then uh, and, and explains this reality of becoming a child of God. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his, of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There's a truth here. There's a reality. And sometimes people get this confused. They think that automatically that they're a child of God. Now, there is some semblance of truth in the fact that we're all children of God because we we were created. We live and breathe. But over and over again in Scripture, there's two categories of people. And it's described all throughout Scripture here in Matthew 13. People of the kingdom and people of the evil one. In 1 John chapter 3, people who are children of God and people who are children of the devil. Children of the light in 1 Thessalonians, I'll spit it out. 5, children of the light and children of darkness. Goats and sheep in Matthew 25. Here's the truth and here's the reality. Not everyone is a child of God. But everyone has opportunity to become a child of God. And how do you become a child of God? It's really simple. God made this so easy for us that we would have faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, that's good news. I don't know about you. I, I mean, there's several other, you know, people who promote these methods. Oh, you got to do this and you got to do this. And it's like 15 steps to heaven and, you know, 25 steps to heaven. And, and God just goes, I have one step. One step for you to become a child of God. And it's that you would have faith in Jesus Christ. He made it so simple, so easy for us. And as a result of that, we receive these, these, what I call these three eyes. We receive an inheritance that we will become co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? I mean, heaven's a party you do not want to miss. As you read more and more in scripture about what heaven is like, that, that's an inheritance. That's a party you do not want to miss. Not only do we receive an inheritance, but we receive intimacy with God. We have access to the Father. Did you pick it up? The word Abba. This can be uh, translated, it's an Aramaic word that is like daddy, papa, the sense of intimacy. Um, when, when I go to sleep, if, if one of my children come in in the middle of the night and, and wake me up and say, daddy, daddy, can, I, I'm scared, can you help me? I, I respond with love and grace. Yeah, you know, how can, how can I help you? I'm scared of the dark, you know, and sometimes, you know, I'm like, oh, just go back to bed. All right, but if, but if I'm asleep and you come in, my room in the middle of the night and go, hey, Ryan, it's not going to be a good night for us both, right? Like somebody's going to die. I'm just saying like it's, there's, a, there's a sense of intimacy that scripture that Paul is trying to help us to understand here. Where the spirit of Christ resides within us, the spirit who cries out, Papa, Daddy. That not only do we have an inheritance, but we have intimacy. And then thirdly, that we have identity. That we are no longer slaves, but we are called children of God. Now think about that for a second. The one who created the universe, 
The one who, who made butterflies. The, the, the one who called the stars into existence. That same creator God has come to you and said, I want to adopt you. I want you to be a part of my family. And it's real easy that we would have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a simple truth, right? This is a a simple reality that I I think all of us can very easily get. And here's the beautiful thing. If you are not a follower of Christ, you can become a follower of Christ tonight by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. We'd love to invite you to get baptized tonight. And 19 people recently did that. I mean, how exciting is God doing a work here at Tomoka? And, And here's the truth, though. I think for many of us as believers, this is a simple thing that we get mentally. But it becomes much harder to live out in the reality. And here's what I'm talking about. It's one thing to know that you are a child of God. It's one thing to know that you're a child of God. But it's another thing to live into the fullness of being a child of God. To live into the fullness of being a child of God. It's a pretty simple truth. I am a child of God. Mind-blowing, right? But when we begin to try to learn, okay, how do I begin to live into this reality, that this inheritance that I have right now, that, that, that the kingdom of God is, is, is mine, I will be co- co-heirs with Christ, this intimacy that I can call God a friend and I can go to him with my struggles and my worries and, and, and become intimate with the one who created the universe, that I have a new identity, that I am a child of God. Many of us, including myself, It's a journey to live into that reality, to where God continues to mature us, where we continue to draw closer to Christ. And it's not always a linear journey, like, you know, like a plane taking off. It's ups and downs and, 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 you know, we're close with Christ. And then, oh, you know, I feel totally spiritually bankrupt. And then I'm I'm close with Christ again. And, And we go on this journey and God begins to refine us like a refiner's fire, where we begin to gain a deeper fellowship with God. We gain a deeper identity that we are children of God and we gain a fuller understanding of the inheritance that waits for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, so it's, it's like, uh, let let, let me tell this story here. So it's like a man uh, who lived under the bridge, man lived under the bridge and he had a great, great uncle, great uncle owned lots of land, owned several businesses, was a multimillionaire guy had lots of money. And the great uncle didn't have anybody to pass along his fortune to. And so he left in his will that this would go to my next of kin. And so man dies. And so they try to locate the next of kin, finally find him living under the bridge. And so the banker comes out and says, we have been searching for you. We have been looking for you all this time. For months we've been looking for you. And, and, And do you realize what's happened? Your uncle passed away. Your great uncle passed away. But he has left you his entire fortune. All you have to do is sign these documents and it's all yours. Guy signs the documents. He says, money's yours. All you have to do is stop by the bank and pick it up. Lawyer comes out and says, hey, um, we need you to sign these documents. There's several businesses that are yours. You have several houses that are yours. One is on the beach. It's great. You know, one's in the mountains. It's great and such. You got two private planes here. I just need you to sign these documents and it's yours. Guy signs the documents and it's his. Several months later, the banker and the lawyer come back. The man's still living under the bridge. 
I think for many of us, as believers in Christ, we have been given this, this, this vast sum of a gift as children of God. And yet, it's like we, we sign off, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a child of God. And yet we fail to live into the reality of all that God has for us. We continue to live underneath the bridge. And so here, here's this reality. One particular area that I think more than anything I struggle with is this idea of identity. Because God calls me a child of God, and yet so oftentimes I find my identity in other places. And so here's two questions for us tonight. And the first question is this. Who are you? Who are you? If you're asking yourself that question, who am I, right? You know, if you're looking in the mirror, who are you? Now, if I ask you that question, many of you would respond with your occupation. You know, I'm a school teacher, you know, I'm a firefighter, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, a vet, I, I do this, I work at the factory, you know, I work at Chick-fil-A. Some of you would respond in relationship to other people. You know, I, I, I'm a mother, I have several kids, you know, I'm a father, I have seven kids, you know, I, I'm a husband of, I'm a wife of. Some of you would respond with your hobbies. Some of you would say, you know, I'm a fisherman, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm a beach person, uh, some of you would respond with your sports teams. I know college football is big here in Florida. How many of you are Gator fans right there? Let me just hear you. Some Gator fans. Yes, thank you. How many of you are Miami fans? The U. Oh, man, obnoxious fans, aren't they? Sorry. I'm just proclaiming truth there. All right. How many of you are Florida State fans? Florida State fans. Yes. Florida State fans. UCF fans. Yeah, they're in the back, proud. They're like, woo! Yeah. Uh, how many of you are just like, I don't care, don't watch football, don't care, you know? Yeah, some of you. Yeah, I love it. Some of you just don't care at all about, about football. Now, how many of you are, are glampers? Because there's glampers and campers, right? How many of you would say, I'm a glamper all the way? Like, if it don't have air conditioning and cable TV, I'm not there, right? Some of you are glampers. How many of you are campers like, put me in the woods, give me a knife and let me survive? Like, yeah, those are my folks right there. Let's go on a camping trip together. That's what I'm talking about. Those are my peeps. It's interesting, depending upon the context, how we identify ourselves. Depending upon who we're with or or where we're at, if we ask the question, who are you? how you would come up with your response. Now, those are all kind of surfacy, but if I began to peel back the layers, we would get to a deeper sense of identity that you have. And it's those deeper layers of identity that really form who you are, what you do, and how you even perceive the world and other people. Now, here's the second question, and the second question is this. Who Or what are you allowing to tell you who you are? Now, it'll make sense in a second. So just pick, stay with me here. Who or what? Somebody is telling you who you are. Sometimes unwanted, right? Sometimes people just tell you who you are when you don't even want it. Or you're doing things that are defining who you are. So who or what are you allowing 
You're making a conscious choice. Yeah, I'm going to allow that person to define me. I'm going to allow this thing to define me. I'm going to allow this action to define me, to tell you who you are. Because there's this battle that's constantly going on. A battle where God is proclaiming your identity, your primary identity of who you are. And when we become followers of Christ, that is placed upon us. We are clothed with Christ. But many of us then struggle living into that reality. We want to take hold of this past identity that we have. Let me give you an example here to kind of put the rubber where the uh, rubber meets the road. So my mom, uh, her whole life has struggled with an aspect of her identity. Her dad, my grandfather, was a Christian man, a great guy. Loved his family, but grew up in a difficult family himself and oftentimes struggled to communicate that love and appreciation and value for his own family. Any of you have been there, lived that? And so she would hear things from her dad that were often uh, demeaning towards her. Nothing really nasty, but my mom walked away from her childhood with this concept that she would, uh, she was stupid. And so I called my mom today. I said, mom, I'm preaching tonight. It's kind of last minute. And so I'm wanting to make sure I get this right. And I said, can you unpack for me? I know that you've struggled with this. Can you unpack some of that reality? And so she was sharing some of the stories of how she kind of gained this identity from her father and some of the aspects that he had said certain things in certain situations and probably didn't mean certain things, but she had, you know, gotten this idea that she was naive, that, you know, she she wouldn't ever understand relationships and and school and academics and that she was just kind of stupid. And so I'm I'm just calling my mom to get an example for a sermon, right? Like, and suddenly she starts crying. And I'm like, whoa, hit something here. And she says, Ryan, just this week I was at my computer and I couldn't figure it out. And I just slammed the computer down and hit my fist against the table and... Your dad says, what's wrong? And she goes, I'm just stupid. You see how that carries through, right? This issue of identity. Now, some of it drove her to something good because she became a special ed teacher and her students, she wanted to protect because people would keep verbal abuses on her students. So some of this, she wanted to make sure that what she encountered were not going to be heaped upon these students. She graduated from college and got a master's degree. I mean, she was a super, super bright, one of the brightest women I know, but still struggles. Now I said, well, how did that impact your relationship with God? And she said, I wasn't worthy. I wasn't worthy of his love. I wasn't worthy of his grace because I was stupid. Now, some of us, when I say, who are you? You have a, a playlist that's playing in your head. And I talk to people all the time, whether it's you're ugly, whether you're a jerk, whether you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. There are parental figures that have said something to you, whether it was a mom and dad or a coach or a teacher or somebody else. And you latched onto that and that became part of your identity. 
I was talking with a guy here recently and he said, you know, my dad was a, a, a kind of a sailor guy in the Navy and such. And he always called me a seagull, not a term of endearment for sailors. You know, you dirty seagull and just, you know, seagull is. And so he became up with this. He grew up with this identity that he was weak. He was nothing. He, he was just frail that he was a seagull despised creature, you know, uh, had another friend I was talking to and he said, my mom says I was of the devil. So I'd do something and she'd go, you're of the devil. Talk over and over again. Like, oh, you're of the devil. You did this. You're of the devil. And so he encounters the truth that's found in scripture that says you can become a child of God. And now he has to choose of which playlist he's going to listen to. Am I going to listen to the voice of the father proclaim this truth over my life? Or am I going to listen to my mom, my dad, my teacher, my coach, and allow them to place this identity upon me? And so as believers in Christ, there is a playlist that is going on in your head almost constantly in the background. And sometimes you just ignore it, right? And then sometimes something will happen where you slam your fist down, you throw it, and you verbally proclaim your identity. I'm stupid. And now I'm on the phone with my mom this afternoon and she's crying. Her struggle with her relationship with God and something that over and over again, and I just, I just took time at the end of our conversation. I said, mom, I want you to know You are one of the brightest people I know. I love you. You are of value. You are of worth. I cannot express enough. And I just went on and on. And she said, I love you so much. I love you. This is a great moment. It's awesome. Should have had a camera going on or something. Here's a reality. Here's the truth. Here's a thing that's happening. We oftentimes are allowing other people to form our identity. And the same thing happened with the Galatians. Paul had come in to this region of Galatia. It was a region. It wasn't a specific city. In fact, there were four cities that were there. Antioch, Iconium, Lystria, Derbe. uh, Four cities that we specifically know that are mentioned in Acts 14 through 16. Paul has been there twice. And he has been seeing great things happen at this church. They're growing in numbers. It's reported in Acts 16, 1 through 5. But the... There's a problem that creeps up. And the problem is this, that there are some Judaizers that are presenting a different gospel and they're bringing some danger and confusion. Now, these Judaizers were basically saying, yeah, you can have Jesus, but you need to do some other stuff. And if you were a Gentile specifically, you had to get circumcised. You had to follow some rituals, rules and regulations that were found in the uh, the law. And you had to have, you know, some ceremonial aspects that were in the law as well. You had to check those off also. And so these Judaizers roll in the town and they're saying to these Christians, Hey, you can be a Christian and you can love Jesus, but you also have to do this, this, and this, and this to truly be a child of God. And Paul comes along and he writes them a letter and he says, who's bewitched you? Who's, who's thrown you into confusion? Because Jesus plus anything is no gospel at all. It's Jesus Plus nothing is everything. And he says to him, you know, it's really simple. Let's get back to the basics here. That we are saved by grace through faith. It's not faith and works. Now, we do realize James says faith without works is dead. 
But it's not faith and works. It's not faith and religion. It's not faith and ritual. It's not faith and regulation. It's faith in Jesus Christ, period. How many of you enjoy a good slice of bacon? Mm. I read a shirt one time and it said, I know God loves me because he made bacon. I was just like, that's a good shirt right there. I love me some bacon. Mm. Bacon, you can put it on anything, right? You can put it on a salad. Salad totally tastes good. That's how Betsy tries to get me to eat healthy there, put bacon on the salad. Now, for the Jews, it was an unclean animal. And so they were saying, hey, you can love Jesus, but you can't have bacon. And there's this huge, I mean, it's crazy. There's this huge debate and you can read about it in the Bible, whether can we eat bacon? Can we not eat bacon? And there's a vision and there's visitation and all this crazy stuff that happens. And then finally they come out and they say, it's just about Jesus. It's not Jesus and something else. It's just about faith in Jesus Christ. And so these people we're, we're being confused with this reality because Paul's presented this gospel message that was filled with grace and faith and freedom and that you became a child of God. And these other people came along and they said, oh, we have this other gospel that's, that's predicated upon the law and, and its rules, rituals, and regulations. And what it brought was bondage. And what it brought, finally for Paul's, he lays it down here as he says, you become a slave. You were a slave. You become a child of God. Why are you living as a slave? Why, why are you living underneath the bridge? <laughs> it's all yours and, you, and you're back to your old life. You're just, li- you've, you've living underneath the bridge. Paul in, in Galatians 1 uh, verse 6, he says this. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. We're going to hop over to Galatians uh, chapter 3 here. Would you please stand as we read this section here? It says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law. Locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees and the until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent a son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You may be seated. Now I just want to run real quick here, just through some ways that we take our identification from the world rather than from God. Because here's the action step, and that, that is this, that we would take on the identity of Christ. That you would take on the identity of Christ. How do we identify ourselves? Oftentimes through the world, by our achievements. We have some students in here, and those students are getting their identity based upon how well they do at school. If they get an A, life is good. Things are great. If they get an F, oh, it's terrible. And it's not just an issue that I'm down or I'm sad or I need to study more. It's a a deeper issue sometimes of identity. So no longer can I feel good about myself. No longer am I, am I uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, an adequate person because of my grades. And we take this then into the workforce. And if I don't make that sale, if I don't get that job, if I don't get that promotion, if I, if I don't do well at this, and then we spend our whole life chasing this identity in our careers, and, and then what happens at the end of our careers? We retire. And we've spent so much time basing our identity upon what we do, that when we retire, for a lot of guys especially, they have no identity at all. They don't know who they are. Suddenly they're tossed into this confusion. I I, I don't know who I am. I have no value. I have no worth because I'm not doing what I used to do. Or maybe you've tied your identity in your possessions, a big house or boat or truck or 401k fund, but then the recessions hit, you make a bad investment, the, the bill comes due for that expensive truck. Who am I if I don't have all this stuff around me? Some people find their identity in other people by my kids, right? If my kids are successful, so maybe, you know, I feel like I wasn't that much of a success, but my my kids are going to be successful. And that's why we get parents screaming at their four-year-old on the baseball field, right? Just being irate, like losing their minds. Have you seen this, right? Because they are wrapping their identity of themselves as a sports failure into the identity of their children, that they're going to, you know, they're going to make it to the NFL, the major league baseball, you know, and, and they find their identity wrapped up into their children. And if their children don't succeed, then who am I? And gals do this as well, right? Suddenly their kids go to college and they're thrown into this turmoil of who am I? My, my children aren't around. I've spent so much time investing into my children that I've gained my identity in my children and not in who God has told me who I am. Or maybe it's your spouse or, or boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, you know, it's like that movie, the old Jerry Maguire movie. You complete me, Jerry. You know, it's like, really? Like, I'm sorry, another person is not going to complete you. Just not going to do it, you know? There's only one J name, ladies. And listen, it's not Jim. It's not Juan. It's not Jared. It's not Jermaine. And it's not Jose. It's Jesus. That's the only one. Come on now. Okay. Listen. Those of you who are married, your spouse will disappoint you a lot. 
Like a lot, a lot. If you are trying to find your identity in your spouse, you're, <laughs> you're set up for, I see these couples that come in for premarital counseling. They're looking at each other. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm like, I'm here. Hello. Can we start? This is like awkward. And they just think that, you know, somehow that the other person is going to fulfill them. No, you were created with a God shaped hole in your heart. A God-shaped hole. There's only one thing that fits in a God-shaped hole. God! That's the only thing. Sometimes we identify ourselves with our past mistakes. We've made a mistake. We've sinned. We've failed. And it's become a big part of our lives. And so we grab on to that, that sin, that failure, that mistake... And we make it our identity. We carry it around. And it's a heavy burden. Can I just tell you, if you're carrying around and your primary identity is your your past mistakes, there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. And some of you are saying, well, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. I don't know why I did that in a Southern Bell accent, but that was cool. (laughs) Okay, listen. This is just like a little aside here. This is like... This is, this is free for you, okay? I haven't read in, in the Bible, God forgave Paul. And then 10 years later, Paul finally forgave himself. No, Paul lived into the reality of what was. He understood that it was, his, it was not his place to forgive. When you begin to do that, you place yourself above God. Well, I know God forgave me, but I can't forgive myself. You see what you've done there? God, you've asked for forgiveness. And John 1, 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And when we ask God for forgiveness, we need to just accept that reality and live into that identity. Who the son sets free, woo, is free indeed. Amen. All right. Looks. Oh, we as a culture obsessed with looks, don't we? I mean, it's just like, I mean, not only do we obsess about our own looks, we obsess about other people's looks. It's like, oh, did you, that movie star, they gained 15 pounds and we're going to put it everywhere, right? Oh, look, they lost 15 pounds. And she proved it by taking a picture of a bikini shot, right? And then it's like, oh, she gained it back. I mean, we're... We as a culture are obsessed with looks. And do you realize a little thing called Photoshop? Like even the models in the magazine covers want to look like that. Like they themselves want to look like the person that's on because they're Photoshopped. And we can so easily make this. And what it does, listen, when we take these things as our primary identity, we can rob ourselves of joy. We can rob ourselves of so much joy. We can find ourselves in bondage. And we can find ourselves just being captive. Because you know what happens, right? We get old and gravity takes its toll, right? I mean, (laughs) we got guys looking like overwatered chia pets. I mean, just it's like hair coming out everywhere. This is crazy, you know? 
Woo! Listen, you're not going to look the same when you're 90 that you did when you were 20. And if you've tied your primary identity to your looks, you're in for a rude awakening, right? And we try to like plaster and put up and, you know, just, <laughs> just try to help things, right? Listen, your primary identity should not be in your looks. Proverbs uh, 31, 30 says, charm is deceitful. Beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The, the wrong identity will put you in a performance trap. It will put so much pressure on you to just keep at it, right? You'll never feel really good about yourself. It'll always bring failure. And the biggest thing is this, it will rob you of the joy that God has for you. It will rob you of the joy that God has for you. Christ wants to bring you freedom. And how does he do that? He places a new identity on you, that you are a child of God. You see, that's a constant. That doesn't go away. I can lose my job. I'm still a child of God. You know, I get a few wrinkles. Guess what? I'm still a child of God. You know, I didn't make that sale or get that raise. I'm still a child of, I lose my house. I lose my, I'm still a child of God. That's something that is constant, that no matter what happens in life, you can stay centered in the reality that I am a child of God. So what do we need to do? We need to set our things on the things of heaven. Here we go. Uh, this is uh, found in Colossians. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart where? On things above, not of this world, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I was uh, getting ready to go on a mission trip to Haiti and um, the gal who was leading the trip and teaching us some of the language and such and the customs and, and whatnot, this was several years ago, um, she'd adopted a little girl uh, from Haiti. And so at break, I went to her and I said, hey, what, what's that been like um, to, to adopt? And she says, it's been, real, it's, it's been a struggle it was a really struggle for many, many months. And I said, you know, just a financial struggle? Like what, you know, what, what kind of struggle are you talking about? And she said, no, no, no. Um, she had trouble becoming a part of our family. And I was like, well, what do you exactly mean by that? She said, well, we got her, her room all set. And we got all these toys for her. And I mean, her room was just kind of decked out waiting for her. So she came and... We put her in a room and for months would not touch a toy. We'd tuck her in at night in her bed and we'd come in in the morning and she'd be on the floor. We, we, we would tell her, you can get anything you want out of the fridge. You can, you can get whatever you want. Out, you, you're, you're hungry? She, would, she, she wouldn't get a snack and finally, you know, they would have to, are you hungry? You know, can we get you something? See, you can, you can be legally adopted as part of the family, but not live into the reality of all that God has for you. And I've done this. I do this a lot. I still do this. 
And God continues to call you and I into deeper intimacy with God, a deeper realization of the inheritance and that we would have our identity rooted in Christ Jesus and not things of this world. And experience the joy and the life and the vibrancy that it is to be a Christian. And not to say that we're not going to have difficult times and we're not going to be sad. This is not a health and wealth gospel. This is not a, a you know, a, a just talk yourself up. This is, I'm living into the reality. I'm developing a new playlist. And I'm going to listen to one voice. Number one, who are you? You, in faith in Jesus Christ, are a child of God. Number two, who or what are you allowing to tell you who you are? My friends, we got an audience of one. We got a voice of one that we need to listen to. And that's our heavenly father. And I pray that as he proclaims his truth upon you, that you take hold of that and grasp that and allow that to penetrate and affect your heart in a deep and mighty way. Amen. Hey, let's pray. Lord, we, we struggle with this. This is hard. You know, it just seems so easy. And yet many of us, we're playing the wrong tape. We, we've been told by so many people, we're worthless, we're nothing, we're nobodies, Lord. Uh, just whatever tape is being played that is not of you and is contrary to you, Lord. I ask that those individuals who are gathered here tonight, those individuals that are watching online, those who will listen to this uh, later on the radio, Lord, or, or online as well, Lord, that you would penetrate their hearts with your Holy Spirit and that you would give them an identity that is rooted in you. And that through this, that they would experience the joy that you have intended for them, Lord, that they would look not to this world, not to other people, uh, not to the things that they can accomplish, Lord, but they can root themselves fully in you, Lord. We thank you for your inheritance. We thank you for the intimacy that we can have with you. And we, Lord, we thank you for the identity that we can have with you, that we can proclaim ourselves as children of God because of what you accomplished on the cross and allowed us to respond through this gift of faith. And it's in your name that we give you all the praise and glory. You're, you are powerful, you are mighty, and it is in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Blessings.